Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from our executive pastor, Hickson Frank. We're in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, and we're going through a series called Anchored. And uh, if you've been with us the last several weeks, you know that this is, this is a tough book. It's a tough letter that was written to some people going through tough times. And it was written to Gentile uh, Christians in Asia Minor. Uh, look it up. It's all there. But they're having a tough time. More than likely, these are new believers, uh, maybe from maybe Peter's missionary journey, and he's, he's coming. He's writing to encourage them. And the, the problems that were going on uh, in the first century are, are pretty much the same. We're going to have uh, really two sermons this morning. The first part we're going to call the way life is. The second part we're going to say our behavior based on the way life is. And uh, I hope that you will be able to uh, follow along. I, um, uh, I thought I might start by uh, sharing this um, from the great theologian, American theologian, Mike Tyson. Iron Mike, Kid Dynamite, the baddest man on the planet. He said something and I thought, that's genius. It's perfect. Now, let me, let me give you a little color commentary here. Uh, he was the heavyweight champion from uh, what, uh, 87 to 90. They say easily the best boxer uh, for a whole generation. Hardest puncher, et cetera. He was fighting a guy named Buster Douglas. Some of you know where I'm going with this, some of you old guys. You know, and he was, he was actually a 42 to 1 favorite. Um, I know y'all don't know what that is, but it involves gambling, okay? And, and, and he lost. He got beat by a guy named Buster Douglas. Here's what he said not long after the match. He said this, or the fight. He said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. You think? Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth is exactly what he said. Now, Mike Tyson... His punches were from like Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield. Remember that, the whole ear incident? Or Buster Douglas. He was literally getting physically punched. For some of you in the room, your punch in the face happens when the phone rings and it's a doctor with bad news. Your punch in the face happens when you find out your child is involved in something that's dangerous for them. Your punch in the face may happen when your marriage falls apart. It may be that you have church wounds or you've been rejected or you've been left out. But sooner or later, you're going to get punched in the face. And then what do you do? And then what do you do? Mike Tyson ended up right after that. He got involved in all kinds of things, got convicted uh, of rape ended up going to prison for a few years, got his life a little bit back on track, then went back to prison, then he got his life back on track for real this time. The point is, he didn't have a plan after he got punched in the face. Do you? The Bible promises us this. You're going to suffer. You're not the exception. Beloved, when you get punched in the face, when you get in a position where you are suffering, maybe it's of your own hands. Maybe you just made a bonehead move and now your money's gone. 
Okay, punch in the face. Maybe you're part of something that you had nothing to do with, but you're suffering for it. Here's what the Bible promises you. 1 Peter 4.12, that's next week, that don't be surprised or caught off guard that you have to suffer. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, we need to endure suffering without compromising our integrity. It gets better, y'all. It says in Matthew 5, we got to love the people who persecute us and pray for their welfare. It's in the Bible. It's right there. You try to do that? It's not just a pretty verse. Have you ever tried to pray for the person who caused you harm? The Bible says right here that we're to do that. It says that we're to trust God in the middle of our suffering and respond proactively doing good. It says that we're to renounce in Romans 12 any intention of taking revenge. Just trying to be a little ray of sunshine for you this morning. It says in Hebrews 12, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. It says we're to rejoice insofar as we share in Christ's suffering. That's 1 Peter 4, 13. That's next week. And so the first six verses we'll talk about today, we're doing 11. The first six verses are going to say, this is how life is, y'all. This is just how it is. And then 7 through 11, we're going to look at how things ought to be and your response to it, your plan after getting punched in the mouth, punched in the face. So 1 Peter 4, if you're able and willing, would you stand and let's honor the reading of God's word together. Let's stand together now and we'll read, I'll, I'll read out loud, you follow along. This is 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6. Here's what the Bible says. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself in the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Verse 3. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they're surprised when you don't join in with them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, would you please, would you open our hearts to what you have for us? Father, on a rainy Sunday, I pray, Father, that you would pierce our hearts with the truth of the gospel, but that you'd also remind us that in the midst of our suffering, there's a testimony to be had. There's perseverance to walk through, and there's a God to glorify. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Well, there's a whole lot going on in the verses that I just read. I'm going to unpack the ones. Uh, I'll leave the harder ones for our pastor to unpack when he gets back, but I will, uh, I will take our best shot. As I mentioned, what's your response when you get punched? The Bible promises that it's coming. Here's what I want you to know. That very first verse, verse one says, uh, it says that therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin, is finished with sin. Number one, Christ's suffering in the past 
inspires perseverance in the present. Here's what we mean. Now, lest, uh, let, let me make one thing very clear. The one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. Let's not get crazy, right? What that's saying is, if you walk so closely with Jesus that you're willing to, when you identify with Christ, to suffer physically, that's a big, big deal. That's a big, big deal. I don't know. You may have, but I've been in Texas most of my life, and it's always been a benefit to me to be a Christian. Uh, very few times, except maybe in the last 10 years, um, living in parts of our state that weren't quite as friendly to Christians. I've never been physically, I've been, had a few words said to me, but that's about all, okay? That's not the case in most of the rest of the world, by the way. What is the case in most of the rest of the world is when they identify with Christ, they're taking a risk of both livelihood, of both social status, of, of all kinds of things that you and I really don't have to share yet. For about 200 years, our country was a great place to be a Christian. This is not a political rant, y'all. I, I do not care your party affiliation. What I do care with is things have changed in the last 40 years. Just Google Christians lose their job because of their faith or something. Not now. Put your phones away. <laughs> I'm preaching. Okay, but look it up later and you, you'll find page after page of where people have, have paid with their jobs. Okay? You won't find quite as many in the United States have paid with their lives, but you'll find it around the world. Guys, our missions guys know that. And we see this somehow. And, and church, this is where I'm going to do my best not to be the angry young preacher. The angry preacher. The young <laughs> is gone. Okay, but the angry preacher. Somehow, we have gone from knowing that Jesus himself was crucified with nails through his wrists, through his ankles, that he was tortured, he was beaten, he was stripped bare, he was mocked, he was humiliated, and he was left to die by suffocation on a cross. He was taken down and buried. His own people, the Jews, mocked him and king of the Jews. Somehow we've gone from that horrific story about our Lord and Savior and his church now is upset when somebody doesn't say nice things about us. We're upset at a social media post. How dare they? We're upset that we don't get the respect that we deserve in the marketplace because of our faith. And somehow we have said that we're being persecuted. What happened to the church that wouldn't bend or bow to a world that was hostile towards them? What happened to the church that would love their enemies? What happened to the people of God who would stand against sin, not only out in the world, but in the pews? What happened to the people of God who would embrace the lost and with a love that's unexplainable to the natural world? What happened to that church? One of the reasons I love our women's ministry and our men's ministry is that they're walking into prisons, literally prisons. 
Most of the church world believes that prisons are for people who belong there. That may be true, but it doesn't matter. Those people need Jesus. And one of the most inspirational things that I get to do is uh, every time they go out, I get to hear the stories first. And I get to hear the stories of people embracing one another and embracing their faith, coming back to their faith, getting rid of the shame and humiliation of being incarcerated for something they did probably. And they feel that love and acceptance. That's church. That's the church, y'all. That's the church that steps into the messiness. That's the church that gets involved in people's life when it's just not too pretty. That's the church. What happened to the Christian worker who was known to be the best, most trusted, and faithful employee in the company? What happened to the teacher? Who? What happened to the business owner? Who? What happened to the single mom? Who? What happened to the dad? Who? What happened to the preacher? Who? Stood for Jesus with love and grace and mercy and acceptance of the people, not the behavior, but the people involved. What happened to those people? I had uh, became keenly aware that the world is watching our behavior. Again, I'm sure it's not you in this room, but it's our behavior as a church, the church universal. I was uh, subpoenaed uh, several months back. Relax. I wasn't, I was, we had two people suing one another and I was in the middle. I mean, I had nothing to do with it, but I just knew both and these are two Christians. And they were both right. And they were both wrong. And they both would not, would not let it go. It was money, pride, whatever, I was done wrong. You know the only winner? Our enemy. The only winner. Because what the court system saw and what the bailiff saw and what the jury saw and what the attorney saw is Christians can't get along. That's what they saw. So much so that they're willing to sue for a lot, a lot of money. And we lost. I don't know who won. Don't know anything about it. Didn't want to look at it. But we lost. We lost. Knowing that Christ suffered in the flesh, A, perseverance in God's will. In order to live, the, the Bible says, verse 2, in order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. This is, um, I am pierced by this, so I thought I'd share. I don't know the exact percentage of God's will that's spelled out for you and me in the Bible. I know it's got to be north of 90% of God's will is spelled out, meaning you know how to behave just based on what the Bible tells us, okay? We obsess over that 10%, but let me tell you what we know about God's will. God's will is to love God with all your heart, is to love your neighbor as yourself, is to forgive others, is to not be angry and sin, it's not, it is to humble ourselves, is to repent, to turn, and to do what we did when we first met Jesus, it's to pray and it's to fast, it's to suffer well, it's to not be anxious, it's to be still, and on and on and on. The Bible is very clear about who we are to be, and we obsess over what we're supposed to do. Here's what I would tell you. As a brother in Christ, 
God's a whole lot more interested in who you are than where you do it. He's a whole lot more interested in the fact that we struggle doing the 90% he's already told us and we're begging him, tell us that 10% we want to know for our own pleasure. He said, look, the 90% is right there. Let's do the 90. Let's walk humbly with God. Beloved, this is not easy for me to share. But we cannot obsess and beg God for that 10% if we're not willing to do the 90 Knowing that Christ suffered in the flesh helps us stand and gives us perseverance from opposition. Y'all feeling encouraged yet? It's coming. It's coming. Encouragement from opposition, the Bible says, they, those are the Gentiles that are, uh, that are behaving right, they're surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you. They slander you. You ever had something, if you've, if you've ever had somebody say something against you, just raise your hand. That really should have been everybody. By breathing air and interacting with other people, somebody's going to slander you. It's just, it's part of the human condition. It's part of how we roll. It's part of how we live. And yet it holds such a grip over us. It holds such a grip over us. One of the the blessings and the joys, right, of, of being a, a part of uh, any organization uh, where people are free to express their opinion, which, which I love that, it's great, is sometimes people will express their opinion, this will shock you, <laughs> with the very sharp, very sharp opinions, and they will share, and uh, they're like, uh, they're, they're just willing to go there, all the way there. And social media has made that much more easy and much, a lot more anonymity, and uh, most of the time people will say stuff on social media, they won't say right to you, and that's, I get it, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But it can hold such sway over us. Here's, here's, I think, what I want you to share. There's nobody in this room, I don't believe, very few people in this room who are immune to this. This is not just a teenage problem. This is not just, oh, peer pressure. Here's what happens. And uh, what psychologists tell us is this. On a deep emotional level, Feelings of approval, uh, excuse me, feeling approved uh, of makes us feel secure uh, with ourselves as a person. There's a huge degree of inner peace and security connected to feeling good about who we are. And so we demand of each other, you've got to make me feel good about who I am. Make me feel good. So I need you to say nice things to me and I need you to accept me and I need you to endorse my behavior. If you don't endorse my behavior, I'm going to put pressure on you to endorse my behavior, and then you won't do it. Here's a cycle. I just read it to you. They want you to join them, and you won't. They try to pressure you, and you won't. They try again, and you won't. Then they make you their enemy, and you still won't. Then they move on. And some of you have been alive and on the planet long enough for this to have happened to you. At some point... They will come back around and actually thank you. Thank you for not endorsing their behavior. I'm not talking about preferences. I'm talking about what's described here, just craziness, wild living, stuff that's dangerous for them. They'll come back and thank you. Many of you have had that happen. I've had that happen with me. 
where somebody just said, hey, thanks for not, thanks for not going there with me. It validates the gospel. That is why, y'all, y'all, that's why walking with Jesus, not just Sunday morning, look, everybody, everybody talks about Jesus on Sunday morning, great, good, you should, okay? How about Sunday afternoon, how about Tuesday morning? How about at school, how about in the classroom? That validates the gospel. Sunday morning, I mean, welcome to Tyler. How about Tuesday? Real quick, and this is a side note, you can jot this down. One of the biggest gifts you can give your child, your children, is give them the ability to be alone and happy. I don't mean create loners. I I don't mean, you know, go in a room with a video game and and you have no... No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying give them the ability to miss out and be okay. You're sending a child off to college, it doesn't matter what college. I, it does not matter what college. We had two at University of Texas. I know. We had one at the University of Arkansas. And what they needed was the ability to be by themselves and miss out. But you can send them anywhere. Because without that ability, they're not going to miss out, if you know what I mean. They're not going to miss out. So equip them. That's why we talk so much in our connect groups about being able to persevere. See, if you know Christ suffered in the flesh, it's for the perseverance of the gospel, y'all. For this reason, the gospel is also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh, according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. Now, that gets very theological. We're just talking about the, the doctrine of suffering, okay? We're about to come out of the depths here, so hang on, okay? We know of this. We know of a testimony of saints that have gone before us, the ones who have stood firm, the ones who have faced difficulty and recovered. Again, it validates the gospel. Everybody talks a good game. Everybody talks a good game. So that's how life is. Life, according to the Bible, is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Not all the time, praise the Lord, right? Sometimes it's, it's kick back and watch football. It's, it's good. But something might be coming that's going to be a punch in the mouth. So how do we respond? Let me read you follow, and we're going to read 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received his gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one of the or- who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything God, in, in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Number two, there's perseverance in the present reveals Christ's glory for the future. We see that at the very last is what I just read. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. 
A is perseverance reveals Christ's love. Here's what the Bible says. Y'all, above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't mean if you love well enough, you can sin all you want. It simply means that love is what draws us to the throne of Jesus. Some of us believe that finger pointing, the talking about, the cajoling and controlling, that's not what the Bible says, is love one another. Love, love one another. It's what the church is called to do. Here's what I know. I know that church league softball was my favorite. And I know that I was not very good, but I had a good time doing it. And it was in the heyday of church league softball. I've told this story once or twice. I don't remember when, so if you've heard it, just go with it. But I remember this, that that poor, that poor umpire behind who was paying, I'm sure, a whopping 15 bucks a game or something to sit through all of the abuse that we heaped on them. Um, I'm sure that that was maybe part of your experience, but here's what I remember. Some, I mean, Sunday school teachers back, then, back in the day, and, and guys I, I really respected, we get them on the softball field, and something happens. You know where I'm going with this. I was like, what just, who are you, and would you not be that person anymore? Because here's, here's what you know when the Sunday school guy, he shows up and he's got the, uh, the high top cleats, okay, and he's got a bat bag. It's church league softball. You know, he's got all, all the stuff and the tape and the whatever he's got. We knew you were in trouble. Here's what I'm saying. Be careful how I say it. Church League softball is great. It's wonderful. Church League softball doesn't change people. It doesn't change the guys who play or the girls who play. You know what it does? It reveals them. It reveals them. Just like a punch in the mouth reveals where your faith really is. So does playing bad in church league softball. Because you know what it does? It strips back and says, you're going to be who you're going to be, and I'm going to expose that. Church league softball. When we're squeezed, what's in us, what's in us comes out. Okay? Suffering, according to Scripture, Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law. If you would take a moment, look around this room. You don't have to look at me. Look around the room. There's maybe a couple thousand people in this room right now. It's okay to look around. Look around. (laughs) Thank you. It's okay. You have permission. Okay, you can look around. Our suffering, now now quit looking around, look at me. <laughs> Enough of that. Suffering is for the Christian. It's supposed to happen in community. It's supposed to happen where you are with people and that they can love you. They can encourage you. When a member is hurting, listen, the reason we push connect groups so much, when you're hurting, the church applies the bandages. When you're down, the church encourages. When a member is in need, the church comes alongside to help. That's the beauty of connect groups, when they work right. But if you are in a connect group, and when you show up, you're expected to be perfect and act perfect and know all of the answers, that's not a connect group that is described in the Bible. 
a connect group described in the Bible as one where you, where you encouraged in your faith, you're encouraged. And I don't know this, and somebody can correct me, but we got over 100 connect groups. And if you can't seem to find one that is like that, start your own, we'll help you. And you surround yourself with people who are going to be real, who are going to be transparent, who are going to love the Lord as best they can. And when they fall, they're going to come and they're going to get loved on by the group and sent out. Perseverance reveals Christ's words. See, and lastly, perseverance reveals Christ's service. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. Paul writes this, and we're going we're gonna to wrap up with this, y'all. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says that God comforts us all in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that he gave, uh, that we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, let me read it in a way that might dance for you. A guy named David Paulison wrote a book called Suffering and the Sovereignty of God. It's a fairly difficult book to get through, uh, so, uh, but I encourage you to read it. Here's what he says. When you've passed through your own suffering and found God to be true to what he says, you have real help to offer. You have firsthand experience of both this, both his sustained grace and his purposeful design. He has kept you through pain. He has reshaped you more into his image. What you are experiencing from God, you can give away in increasing measure to others. You are learning both tenderness and the clarity necessary to help sanctify another person's deepest distress. Here's what I'm saying. Many of you are perfectly equipped to minister to people that I could never even make a dent in. Meaning, if if you lost your father when you were a teenager, I'm the guy to talk to. I'd love to talk to you. Because I did. And, And God was faithful through that. Much more faithful than I was through that. If you've had a financial collapse in your life, Some of you who have had a financial collapse in your life can help others who are having one get through it, and you can testify to them about God's faithfulness. But you know who can't do that? Somebody who doesn't, who can't relate. The Bible equips us, God equips us when we go through, ever had your heart broken? I mean, ever had your heart broken? If you have, you can help somebody who has. Struggled with addiction? You can help somebody as God was faithful to you. You are equipped, not broken. You've had a marriage that failed. Doesn't mean you're broken. It means that you're equipped now to help somebody who's had the same thing. Church family, you know somebody who is bitter and angry? You might be the one to help them. Somebody who has walked away from their faith because they didn't see the point. Maybe you've done the same thing. And God's got you ready just to minister to them and love them. But we miscategorize things when we say that, well, no, I, I can't because of whatever has happened in our lives. That's crazy. What it is is God has brought you through something that you can share 
Ever lost a loved one? Need to help somebody who's lost a loved one. That's what the body of Christ does. Or at least that's what we're supposed to do. The Bible knows nothing of Lone Ranger Christians who isolate themselves from others, who feign perfection, who act like they've got it all together when the reality is they're dying inside. The Bible knows nothing of that Christian. So if you're here this morning and you want someone to pray with you, you want to talk to one of our ministers, you want to talk to somebody in this room who you need to go and seek forgiveness from or get their counsel because you know they've walked through something, go to them. For our response to getting punched in the face isn't to cower and to pretend that we weren't punched in the face and that our God doesn't love us. It is to simply persevere and to get through it. And we do that by being together and by walking transparently. One of the things that my brothers and I do, I've got three brothers and... uh, uh, yes, there's four of us. I have a twin brother, not to scare anyone. There's another one of me running around. One of the things we started to do a couple of years ago is we start talking real. You know what real talk is? It's not, hey, I've had a great day. It's not, yeah, I got my life all together. It's, Hey, I'm really concerned about my son. It's, I don't know what to do in this situation at work. It's, I'm really struggling here. It's, guys, I can't believe it, but I did this. That's, that's my blessing. Easily, easily, the top two or three best hours of my week are my Monday night phone call with my brothers. And the only reason that it's the best is not because they're my brothers, it's because there's real talk and it's because there's transparency and there's fellowship and where they consider themselves broken, it's like, no, you're perfectly suited to help me, to encourage me in my faith. Hey, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to pray something over y'all. And I would only ask that you would be open to letting somebody in on your story, that you might encourage them. That time you were punched in the faith face and God was faithful, you need to share that with somebody. The time that you felt like you could not get through it and you did and God was faithful, somebody needs to know that. The time where you were so ashamed and yet God brought you through. That's where the power of the gospel is. Again, walking into prisons is for everyone. To be spiritually in a prison is a lie from the devil. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna pray over you and in a moment, We'll stand together, we'll sing a last song, but at that moment when we stand, if you'd like to pray with somebody, you wanna join the church, you wanna be baptized, uh, please just go out the back, go to the connection suite. The staff will be back there and uh, we would love to uh, meet your need.
however we can. Let me pray for us. Father, you're good to us. Father, you're great to us. And we have walked with our walls up for so long that we forget our feigned perfection dismantles the gospel. It makes it unreachable for people like me who are imperfect and who have failed. Father, remind us that, Father, you put us back together after being broken and you've asked us to help others do the same thing. Father, we know it's gonna be hard. We know that life can be tough. But bind us together in unity and encouragement to one another that the gospel may go forward and that a lost and dying world would not look at us and shake their head, but they would look at us and be intrigued by our faithfulness, by our love of one another and our love of them. And we pray those things uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna to help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, we want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.